0: My name is George Hinman. Um, it's good to be here with you. It's good to be praying uh, together. We do pray for our president, the first lady, that they would find health. And we also pray for the family of Breonna Taylor and Louisville, Kentucky, as they wrestle through. And pray for restorative justice there. Um, speaking of justice, I know we're coming from all different places around the world as we worship. I, In Washington, new state law last week uh, it is now legal to roll past a stop sign on a bicycle. I don't, know if, I don't know if you saw. Big news for some of us. But as I think about that, it's also kind of a metaphor for life these days, rolling past a stop sign, right? I mean, we see the sign, it's a stop, but we just keep moving, pushing harder, pushing faster, um, better, stronger. You know, It's kind of where we are these days. But we're here in this moment of worship together because God wants to offer us another way. God isn't saying to us, run faster, climb higher. God is here to say, stop, stop, and find rest. This is the invitation of our study today. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. If you want to, Turn there, you can look at uh, uh, Exodus 20, 1-17, through New Revised Standard Version. That's the version I'm reading, but any version is fine. What we're looking at is what's been called the Ten Commandments, Uh, but the Bible itself refers to them as the Ten Words. Ten words for living the Jesus way. These are not preconditions for salvation. These are not what you need to do in order to get into a relationship with God. No, this is what it means to live in a relationship with God. This is an experience of that God. And they they draw us towards Jesus Christ and the freedom that Jesus promises all of his followers. So really important. Remember, the word exodus means way out. Uh, If you're feeling tired and uh, uh, stressed, if you're feeling anxious and weary, there is a way out Uh, today. That's the good news. So um, I'm going to look at uh, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. That's where we find the fourth word. We're at the fourth of the 10 words today. And by the way, didn't Mike McAvoy do an amazing job uh, breaking open God's word for us last week with the third word? But here the fourth starts in verse 8. Listen or read out loud if you like as I read these verses. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh Day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated. This is the word of the Lord. Lord Jesus, you're the living word. Now that we've opened the written word, would you speak through these words? to us by your Holy Spirit and open our ears that we might hear in the depths of our being. We pray it in your name, amen. Well, this is the beginning of the weekend. I don't know if you know that. Historians have looked for any historical precedent in the ancient world and there is zero. What God gives them at this moment is absolutely new. If you love a good weekend, then you have Moses to thank for it. And I just want to engage you to uh, share with me and others who are worshiping with us right now some of your favorite things about the weekend. Um, Would you put in the chat uh, a favorite uh, weekend uh, tradition maybe that you have, you grew up with, or that you have uh, with your friends or family, something you just love to do that's kind of life-giving for you on the weekend? Um, Share that with us. Put in the chat. We'll have a look at it later. Whatever it is that you like to do, my guess is it's a stop. It's a break from what you've been doing the rest of the day of the week, and it's uh, an opportunity to rest. Stop and rest. This is what the text is about. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a <coughs> Sabbath, and that's the, the word Sabbath. Uh, the Hebrew there is Shabbat. It's a noun, but it comes from the verb sh- Shabot, which means st- stop. And that's all. It's a real simple concept. Stop. Just. Just stop. Stop and rest. Now, I've told you that each of these commandments comes with a gift. And what is the gift here? Well, the text, verse 11, tells us really clearly that the gift is rest. Uh, the Lord rested the seventh day. Rest. So obviously God's not literally tired. God has all power, but he's modeling for us, the necessity of rest, knowing our limitations, God, God is showing us that you know we're designed for work, but also for rest. And some of us need serious permission to take that rest. And here it is. Uh, but let's ask, what is the rest? What kind of rest is going on? Well, it's kind of interesting. This commandment gets repeated in Exodus 31. You can chip uh, turn over there with me in verse 17. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we read, you know six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested. Now listen to this addition, and was refreshed. He rested, and now here's a little addition, and was refreshed. Now that's interesting language there. In the the Hebrew, the word there is the word for breath. Uh, As though to, to say God rested and caught his breath, like he was working real hard, panting, and just had to stop and catch his breath. You know, the word, there is also the word that's translated soul, as though in this rest, God catches not only his breath, but catches his soul, that there's there's a revitalization of his life energy and spiritual being in this moment. So this rest isn't just a physical rest. This rest is something that activates and renews and recreates and restores your soul. That's what this rest is. There's a an African story about travelers who, on a multi-day journey across Africa, English and Africans. And uh, after three days, the English were eager to press on. They needed to get to the coast as quick as possible, but the Africans uh, thought different. They were sitting under a tree, and the English said, come on, we got to go, we got to go. And they said, you know, today uh, we must sit here and stay under this tree so that our souls can catch up with us. In other words, we've been traveling so fast and moving so quickly, and we are now so tired that our souls have to catch up with us. That's interesting. I, I think I know what it's like to be so busy. I've left my soul behind somewhere. I think this is an African way of talking about the blessing that God promises in verse 11. If you look at the, you look back at the Genesis, I mean Exodus 20, you see the Lord rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and consecrate it. He set it aside, and he blesses it. M- meaning, it's not just you stopping. You're not the only actor in the experience. But God is acting as well. The Lord is doing something inside of the space of the time that you have created when you stop. He's blessing. He's a- allowing your soul to catch up to you. Uh, allowing your soul uh, to breathe. Now, there's something more here because in the story of the Bible, God doesn't just allow us to ca- catch our breath, but he allows us to catch his breath. That's what we're picking up in Exodus 31:17, uh, that God's breath comes and restores us. And this is the, ble- this is the blessing. You get pictures of this throughout the Bible. Right in the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis uh, chapter 2, God takes Adam, just the dirt of the, of the earth, and then he breathes his breath into Adam. Same thing like with David. Psalm 23, that familiar and beautiful psalm, uh, he leads me beside still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. That's God breathing his spirit into David's life. Ezekiel, Chapter 37, Valley of Dry Bones. The wind of God, the breath of God, the spirit of God comes blowing in this vision that he has, and these bones come to life, and, and now they're en- en- energized and alive to God. Same thing happens in the New Testament. In fact, the day of resurrection, Jesus finds his disciples huddling in an upper, upper room f- filled with fear. What does he do? He breathes on them. It's a little bizarre, but He, he, he this is. This is what he's doing. He's restoring their souls. He's refreshing them. He breathes on them as a symbol of the Holy Spirit that would come on Pentecost, the Spirit of God, in the life of all believers, to empower us, to connect us to Jesus and uh, his resurrection life. And so there it is. God doesn't just allow us to catch our breath, but he allows us to catch his breath. This is the blessing. Stop and let me bless you, the text tells us. Stop and be blessed. Stop and be blessed. You know, it's an expression of God's love for us, isn't it? That he never asks us to work beyond our limitations. He knows our frailties. He's mindful of us, as Pastor Aaron taught us uh, this summer. It's an expression of his love and care in your life. There was a British prime minister who said, this fourth commandment is the first and greatest uh, worker protection act. And and it's true. Historians tell us that in the ancient world, work was uh, arranged on a vertical axis. There were elites and peasants, and the elites did everything they could to keep from working. That's what it meant to be an elite. And they did so by maximizing the labors of the peasants. But historians tell us that the Lord changes the axis here. Now it's no longer along a line of class or status, it's along a line of time. And seven day, six days of work and one day of rest, and it's for everybody. I mean, we, we see uh, in the text, everybody is, is included here. Son, your daughter, male or female slave, your livestock, alien residents, male, female, animals, all of creation, uh, uh, the immigrant, The foreigner, the one who's not like you, all are given the privilege and the restoration that comes from stopping their labor. By the way, when I'm talking about labor, I'm not just talking about a career or a job. talking about a vocation, what you're called to, how you spend your time. That's the heart of this. What you invest your energies in. And there's so many uh, different things that we do. And yet for all of us, there is this rhythm of stopping. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. It's an expression of love and care. Stop so I can bless you. Now, uh, blessing in the Bible is not... It's not about getting rich or it's not about having an easy life. Blessing in the Bible is about becoming like God. It's about becoming a little bit more like Jesus Christ. And that's important to, to keep in mind because um, work is hard. Those Six days are hard. They're actually exhausting. And this is one of the corollaries of the fourth word. You wouldn't have to rest if you didn't get exhausted in your work. And I want to remember that for myself because sometimes I get beat up and drained at work, whether that's something I'm doing at church or maybe an email that kind of enervates me or, um, you know, in my relationship with my wife, which is also another vocation or calling that I have. And I, I sometimes I'll feel disconnected and like I'm not being a very good husband and it's just hard and I don't know how to do it. And there's this temptation to go, hey, maybe there's something wrong, maybe with me or with others or, or with the work itself, maybe I should quit or find something else. No, the, the fourth word tells us that work is hard. That's normal, and it's important to remember that. Martin, Martin Luther, the reformer, he said, you know, when, when work is hard and you're tempted to quit, that's exactly the moment you know that you're doing what you should be doing. Because when we do God's work, when we are faithful to our vocations, our callings, he says, the evil one is not pleased, and there's an attack and assault, and that is draining. So keep on, keep at that work. I know it's hard you know, getting that degree, uh, raising that child, serving that customer, uh, caring for your mother, bandaging those wounds. Sometimes for some of us, just getting out of bed is almost all we can do. I and mean, that's work, but keep at it. But then one day in seven, the Lord says, stop. And be blessed. Stop. The problem isn't the work itself in most cases. The, the problem that most of us have with our work is our relationship to our work. W- would you follow me here for a minute? Because this is a little bit subtle, but this is really important. The problem isn't what tires you out isn't so much the work that you do. It's your relationship to the work that you do. That makes sense? Let me flip that around for a second and say it this way. True rest does not come from not working. Those of us who look forward to retirement would like to believe that when we stop working, we'll find true rest. But those of us who are retired will tell us otherwise. True rest doesn't come from not working. True rest comes from trusting God's work beneath yours. So let me illustrate that for, for, for a second. This Put your mind in the head of one of our students for a Just imagine a college student. And uh, it's Sunday, and she, you know she's in her room and uh, thinking about the, the coming week. On Tuesday, she has a biology exam. And uh, yet she heard a message earlier in the day about the Bible and what the Bible has to say about stopping and the Sabbath and so she thinks for a second well you know I I could go down to the boathouse and rent a canoe with a friend Uh, I could take a nap Um, I could read my Bible and pray she thinks all these thoughts but then she says to herself no I can't you know I just can't I can't stop now let's ask her why would that be the case well she's going to say well because I have too much work I've got this biology exam on Tuesday. Uh, Bio is my hardest subject. Uh, I have to pass this class, and the exam is 30% of the grade. I just have too much work to stop. Well, you say, what about Monday? Could you you prepare for the exam on Monday? She says, no, uh, I've got two classes on Monday, a work shift, a house meeting. It's a full day. Hmm. Well. How much time do you need? I need all the time I could possibly get. And now we're getting in trouble. Um, So let's ask the deeper questions. Do you believe in God? And she says, well, will God take the test for me? No, of course not. But what if? What if you allowed God to be at work in your preparation? What if you allowed God to be with you when you took the test? What if you allowed God to be with you when you got the results for the test? What if you allowed the Holy Spirit of God to breathe life and refreshment into you in all of your work? Because it might just be on Tuesday, you'd rather show up with less time and more rest than more time and less rest. You might find yourself doing better. Just think now, if she says yes, And she takes three hours before dinner and rests, whatever she chooses to do. She'll do it only because of God, because God has commanded us to do this. And this will change her relationship to God. And it will more importantly, uh, perhaps change her relationship to work. It's gonna work, her faith is gonna work itself out, her trust, in practical ways in her life at this point. She's gonna start to trust God To do his work beneath her work, to do something deeper in her and through her. This is what this rest is all about changing your relationship to your work. Listen to this. This is Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says In repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness, and and your strength is in quietness and trust. Wow, that is so countercultural right now. (laughs) It's something I can hardly believe, but that's the invitation of the fourth word. See, Sabbath asks us to look at the work beneath our work. When I say look at the work beneath your work, I'm not talking about the what you do, whatever that activity is. I'm talking about the why you do it. Why do you do what you do? And why do you do it in the way that you do? And why, if this is the case, do you find yourself pulled towards incessant overworking, being driven in that thing? I think it's because not so much of what our work demands of us, but it's what we demand of our work. What are we asking from our work? Is it status? Is it security? Is it approval? Is it validation? Is it intimacy? These are things that our work just ultimately can't provide us. Those are things that God provides us. And why am I slaving over something that God just wants to give me as a gift? God wants to give me rest. Overwork is, in that sense, like any other compulsive behavior. You know, It's not about the food or the exercise or the shopping or the alcohol. It's about the thing beneath that, what we're looking for, what we're trying to get, what we're asking those things to do for us that they can't do. And when you stop, you remind yourself that only God can give you these things and that he's real and that you can trust him. So in that sense, the Sabbath is confrontational. If we do it well, we will hear Jesus speaking to us saying, stop. Stop living as though your degree is your Lord. Stop living as though your performance is an identity. Stop living as though you can't afford to fail. Stop living as though I don't exist, Jesus says, or that I don't know you or care for you or know your limitations or as though I don't forgive you and lift you up when you fall. Stop all that. Come to me and find your rest. This is the kind of rest that we don't just enjoy on Sunday for three hours. This is the kind of rest that you, that you will carry with you Monday through Saturday, because it's changing your relationship to your work now. He's asked you to consider whether he's his work in you isn't more important than any of the work you do, and, and to trust him with that. I like what one of our uh, interns, Kelsey Nerlin, says. We don't rest from our work, we work from our rest. Stop and be blessed. Stop and be blessed. I wonder what that experience looks like for you. Let me just have a look at the chat and see some of the ways in which you experience the weekend. Yeah, sleeping in, uh, pancakes, we're big uh, waffles. Oh, I see my wife says big salad. That's one of our secrets. You better get the recipe from her. Yeah, there's Marta with waffles. Burger Master. All right. Uh, Star Wars pancakes. Yeah. Brunch. That's often, I was like, connecting with, with family. Hiking, reading, gardening, napping. Yeah, all of that. All of that. Uh, and whether it happens on Saturday or Sunday or another day of the week, it happens when you stop. And bring yourself consciously, intentionally into the presence of your God and allow God to bless you by giving you rest. Stop and be blessed. Finally, let me just say that that, that the stop doesn't just change us. It's important that it does change us, but it's more than that. God gives Israel the Sabbath not just to change them. It's not a private spiritual practice. He gives it to them to change the world. And when we stop, as a practice, we will have an effect on the world around us. See, the blessing isn't just for us. And if you're reading the the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, you're seeing the story of a blessing that gets conveyed for all people in all places and even the creation itself. And we see this reflected in verse 11. Notice in verse 11, all the hierarchies are just gone on the Sabbath, right? There's no gender hierarchy, there's no economic hierarchy, there's no environmental hierarchy, there's no ethnic hierarchy, it's all gone. This, this we're realizing this is a justice practice. And the story of the Sabbath continues as you read on. The Sabbath day, one day in seven, becomes the Sabbath year, one year in seven, when the Israelites were to rest the land and all who labor on it for a whole year. And then the Sabbath year becomes uh, becomes the Sabbath half century. Every seven weeks of years, every 49 years, there's a day that follows. It was a very important day for Israel, the Jubilee. Now we have no historical record that Israel ever practiced the Jubilee, but it points us forward to the moment when the Son of God, Jesus, our Savior, walked the face of this planet and said, it's me. The Jubilee has arrived. God, through the miraculous birth of Jesus, his teachings, his miracles, his death on the cross, and then resurrection from the dead has brought jubilee, has brought justice, has brought shalom or fancy word for peace to his beloved creation. And when we practice Sabbath, we're participating in that. Jesus says on the Sabbath in Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. he, He says I've come to proclaim good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of, of the Lord. That's the Jubilee. Just imagine what our city would look like if you and I could consistently practice and embody all the learnings of the Sabbath. If we could learn how to stop ourselves And if we could learn how to make it possible for others to stop, all kinds of laborers in our city, to one day in seven find rest. I I think the world is desperate for people who know how to say stop to themselves because the world is desperate for rest. Uh, On Tuesday night, watching that debate, maybe you were like me and you just yearn for one of the two leaders to to say to themselves, stop, Let let me stop the incivility that is plaguing our culture right now. Or maybe um, you'd be willing to look at the overconsumption of resources on our planet and say to yourself, Stop. Or to look at the anti black racism in our country and look at your own biases and the institutions that harbor that racism and say to yourself, at least, Stop. We change the world. History recorded how the gladiator games stopped in ancient Rome. Let me just close with this. In AD 404, there was a little man named Telemachus. He was an Asian uh, monk who came out of his rest to visit the great city. He got caught up with a crowd of people and they swept him into the Roman Colosseum where he was shocked to find they were killing each other for the entertainment of the crowds. He ran down the aisle, he climbed over the wall, ran out into the middle of the arena, and he stood between two combatants, and he said, in the name of Christ, stop. People could barely hear him, but they started to make it out, in the name of Christ, stop. First they thought this was part of the act, and and they laughed and jeered, but then they realized he, he really meant it. He meant to disrupt their entertainment, and they picked up stones And they showered him with stones and yet he continued to cry out in the name of Christ, stop. Until finally he dropped dead to the sand. And with his final breath he said in the name of Christ, stop. And the crowds seeing him die quieted down and one by one they began to get up and find the exits. And from that moment forward there would never be Another gladiatorial contest in the Roman Colosseum. All because one person stood up and said, stop. Brothers and sisters, I pray that the followers of Jesus today in our city would do the same.